ai me ke aloha e na makamaka aloha e ho'olohe mai nei. Eia ho o kaleo o kauluau, he hua lono, he lei hua no komoku o kiawe. O wano o lei a o kalei kaka ko kumuhana o keia la. Belina oko, dear listeners. As Lei just mentioned, we are back with another episode of Kaleo Kauluau. This time it's about Lei. With our special guest, we'll explore the many dimensions of Lei making, from styles, plants used, protocols, practices, including those related to sustainability and kuahu. Aloha kaua eju, pehea mai nei oi. Aloha e Lei, oia mauno, pehea. Mai kai mahalo. Excited to be here today to talk about Lei with you, Lei. <laughs> Our Hoa Pele is going to join us. Would you mind introducing him? Hi, Uahiki no. Pele Kaio is the youngest child of Lincoln Kaio and Kumuhula Sisi Kaio. He was born in Torrance, California and raised in Carson. Pele's father is from Laia O'ahu. His mother's Ohana is originally from Kau, relocated to Aea O'ahu. And shortly after World War II, his maternal grandparents moved to California. For the last 15 years, he has called Hawaii home and resides in Waimea with his wife, Kehau. Pele is an Uniki Ailolo, a graduate of Unukupukupu under the tutelage of Dr. Taupori Tangaro. He received an AAS in Hula at Hawaii Community College, a BA in Geography with a minor in Hawaiian Studies from the University of Hawaii at Hilo, and an MA in History and Culture from Union Institute and University. Pele is a kumuhula of Unulau, a halauhula based in Hilo and Waimea, Hawaii. He serves as an assistant professor at Hawaii Community College, teaching courses in hula and Hawaiian studies. He is also the high school hula teacher at Kanuoka Aina Public Charter School in Waimea. Mahalo nui. Let's go over to Pele now. Aloha mai Pele. It's really nice to see you. Um, mahalo nui for being here with us today. It makes me think, seeing you makes me think really fondly of all of those times that we've spent together in classes and geography, Hawaiian studies, hula, kipai pai, all of the kuleana that we have to our college and so much more. And so we are really, really appreciative of you being here today to share um, your knowledge about lay making and protocols and practices surrounding that. Mahalo nui. I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to actually see everyone. I know it's been kind of um, a while since we've been in each other's spaces. So this is my kai. Mahalo. Yeah. I just wanted to say also say aloha and thank you for joining us. And I'm already learning new things since we've been in, <laughs> you know, just since the time that we've got here today in this uh, studio. So mahalo nui for joining us. E olu olu mai, we're eager to hear what you have to share about lei making. Yeah, why don't we start with an oli, um, which I'm sure many of us are familiar with. The ale might be different, but um, typical of sharing lei. Well, in absence of giving lei, sometimes the, the leo is, um, will suffice. So, Kele maila uka ulai ke kai uka mala mala ma oni iha ua malie ha malie ua pae kai nuwe ke nu maila na hala o nauwe ke kai no nauwe kahala no puna ko ahine no kalua no iki lahue. Um, and that chant, although it comes from, in our tradition, it comes from the um, ka'au of Pele and Hi'iaka, when Hi'iaka is telling Vahine Oma'o to 
give a pua ahiva to Pele to um, appease her, but offers this mele. And for us, the mele, kele mele, why we use it for just for lei, not only is it appropriate because it has the word lei in it, but um, it uses the imagery of Hawai'i Pai Aina as the lei. So no matter where you are, when you use that chant, you are giving the lei of Hawai'i, the Hawai'i Pai Aina, and the, the receiver of that becomes the center of our Hawai'i. So mm. just wanted to start there with uh, that oli or that mele oli. So shall we jump into sort of my the introduction of, or my introduction to lay and lay making. Um, so growing up, I actually didn't know how to make lay until later on in life, and, and when, when I became an adult. And um, it stemmed from, in my mother's halal, my mother is Sisi Ka'io, and she's been, been a kumuhula for sheesh. 40 something years. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the halau, the men were very limited to um, what they were being exposed to. And when I say exposed, like they were exposed to things, but they weren't um, given the kuleana to like have to do, do things. And the kane and the halau were seasonal dancers. Not in the earlier days, but when... I was old enough to be in the Kane, we say Kane line, but in the Kane class. And um, the the kuleana of the, of the vahine was to help the Kane. So a lot of the time, um, the vahine would make the leaf for the Kane. And be, being the Kumu's son came with privileges where I never had to make <laughs> my leaves. It just show up on my body. Um, <clears throat> which was nice, but then it also robbed me of the opportunity to know how to make these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing up, I would see Lei all the time. Um, my grandmother, her name is uh, Violet Lilinoy. Her maiden name is uh, Sogovia. And then her married name is Agen, um, or Ugin from, from Guam. But our fam- family pronounced it Aguan. My grandfather decided he wanted it to sound a little bit more American than um, Chamorro. But anywho, my, my grandmother is a Manaleo, but she never spoke Hawaiian to um, her kids. And it wasn't until my mother started teaching hula that my grandmother started to help my mother with some of the things that came with um, you know, knowing the language and, and mele and history and stuff like that. But my grandmother... Um, she was very, what is the word besides mayo? Um, she was very put together. Um, she sold a lot of her um, She sold a lot of the things that she wore. Uh, but she always had lehulu. And she always had these very, she was short, small, but mighty. And she had <laughs> these very tall papale lauhala, these um, lauhala hats. And they made her taller, but she also had these fat lehulu. So I remember growing up seeing lehulu all the time, seeing shell lays, um, seeing carnation lays. Carnation mm. lay were, were like yes. huge yep. during that time. Um, and carnations are so expensive now. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then because of the resources that we had in California, um, lai, of course, uh, tea leaf 
and then uh, Plumeria. And growing up in California, you would you could drive around the town and know where Hawaiians were because they either had Plumeria in the yard, they had tea leaf in the yard, or they had the Kamehameha sign that was <laughs> attached to their house. And uh, sometimes they would have a Hawaiian flag. But um, like our kupuna did, even when they got to California, they used what they had. Um, so I was fortunate enough to grow up seeing lay kind of plenty. And then, of course, um, graduation, that was like a, a symbol of honor. Is you knew who all the Polynesian kids, not just Hawaiian kids, were just because you couldn't be able to see their face during graduation. They'd just be bedecked in, in lay and it'd be all up their arms and all the graduation photos, no could see their face because that's how our Polynesian ohana would show aloha, is to make sure that the, the keiki who are graduating were just full with lei, all kinds of lei, candy lei, um, ribbon lei, um, lei that, w- that was flown over from Hawaii. We'll get back to that later when we're talking about sustainable practices. <laughs> um, a lei that had alcohol in it and <laughs> all these different things that were just available. But the first lei that I learned how to make, which most of us know how to uh, make or learn how to make first, is the lehilo or the the two-ply braid using whatever. But usually for us, it was lai. And um, I still don't really care to make <laughs> that lei um, only because like we were taught to like boil it in water or put it in um, wet paper towel and put it in the microwave just to make it uh, pliable. But it would get the, it would be so sticky. And then when you would give it to someone, it would stain their clothes. Um, but that's what you learn how to make first. Yeah. That's one of those simple things. Um, but that was the extent of my lay making. I would watch other people make lay and the style of lay that they would make is they would cut what we call pokey during that time. Not like poke, yeah, but po- like P-O-K-E-Y because they were pokey at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but they would take the lai and they would cut it into lawae kinds of shapes. And then they would use that with the um, pliable lai to braid that in to make... Um, what we, what we, or I know as, as um, a lay style called Healy, where you're braiding, but you're using the same kinolo. Um, so, and that's what we would normally wear in my mother's halo. <clears throat> and it wasn't, it really wasn't until 2005 and 2007 even that I was forced to make my own lace. And I'm a halo. Um, being forced into that. And um, it was when I started um, learning under Taupuri Tangaro, or Dr. Taupuri Tangaro, formerly known as Kaipo Frias. Um, when we knew him, he was, I, I knew him as Uncle Kaipo. And then later on, he, um, he had to transform and evolve his relationship, not just to his name, but to his ohana and to his kuleana. And then he takes on the name Taupuri Tangaro, 
Um, but it was learning under him. And it was sort of just, these are the layers that you need to make and figure it out. We didn't have lay making class. That wasn't like a thing. It was just, these are what you need to make and show up with them already made. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) No Um, pressure. Yeah. But Manaya Kaleni Kalua, who you folks had on on this podcast, um, one of my good friends, um, also one of my teachers at Hawaii Community College. So I I really relied on him a lot when it came to um, knowing plants in, in the very beginning stages of when I moved here um, and knowing how to make these things. <clears throat> so in Unukupukupu, the, the first lei that you learn how to make is the lei hili. And lei hili, um, three-ply braid using one plant. Yeah. So you can add things into that lei, but as long as you're using one plant, it's still considered a hili using the traditional three-ply braid. But for unukupukupu, it was just, um, sometimes it was laupiha, like the whole leaf, or we would half the leaf and then just braid the the green lai, crunchy, fresh, and that was it. The other um, hili, lehili that we would make was out of kupukupu. And kupukupu in hilo is very different from the kupukupu in waimea. I can't do this with the kupukupu in waimea. Mm. But the one in Hilo, it's just you take the kupu kupu, lo piha, the full leaf, and you braid it together, and you have your lay. Very simple. And the simplicity was because you're teaching haumana coming to a community college class for the very first semester. They have no clue. Um, some of them have no clue um, of what lay are, or this is their first introduction to hula. So starting off very basic, which I very much mahalo because um, I didn't know how to make lace. So that was um, my first introduction to lay healy. Um, afterwards, we I, I moved here in 2007, but I started to um, dance under Tongro, not formally dance under him, but through HCC. Um, Tongaro used to come out to California in 2005, and we had this. Um, we had community college classes in the summertime, um, and he would come and he would teach a set of dances. And then throughout the semester, we took Hawaiian language, we took um, other culture classes in order to get a certificate. And that was in 2005. He invited me to go att- uh, to uh, attend WIPSI in 2005 of that year in Aotearoa, World Indigenous Peoples Conference on Education. And um, I learned everything through a video of, <laughs> he's like, this is a video, everything that's on there, go learn them. And these are the things that you uh, need to show up at the airport with. And we'll see you in December. I oh. said, Okay. <laughs> Original distance learning. Yeah. Um, and then I was supposed to move after that, but I didn't move until 2007. In 2007, he created um, Unuolehua. And Unuolehua was a pro or a cohort of students who graduated from the hula program at Hawaii Community College. And it was an extended learning opportunity. 
So he invited my sister, Lily Noy, and I to uh, Unolehua in the summer of 2007. And it was one Anahulu. It was 10 days or 10 nights rather. And we learned. And then after that, um, we had what we call a ha'ike as opposed to a ho'ike. But a ha'ike is an intimate um, demonstration of our learning. Um, and usually the ha'ike is either for the kuahuhula, the hula altar, which I'll talk about later, or um, to the larger kuahuhula, which is our environment, our forest environment. Um, but it was because of that invitation to Unolehua that I decided I was going to book a one-way ticket and just figure out how I'm going to live in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And three weeks later, I moved to Hawaii. And um, <laughs> mahalo to Leipupu. Um, Leipupu, she allowed me to stay in her house. Uh, Laakea Stone, if you folks are familiar, Laakea Stone's mother, Leipupu, they lived in Kilkaha at Ali'ikai Apartments and <laughs> Uh, one bedroom or one and a half bedroom apartment, and I ended up taking over uh, La'a's room. I think La'a was four, <laughs> 14 at the time. And um, so, mahalo La'a if you're listening. <laughs> um, and it was there, it was a year after moving that um, Tongro decided to introduce me to Kuahuhula. Um, during this time, Tongro was only teaching at HCC for what he said, fun. And if we wanted to learn like serious hula, then go to Halau Kekuhi. So I did. I went to Halau Kekuhi. And then we're also training to go to Yurihama to Japan with Unukupukupu. And then I was also helping my mother. So I was just like in this weird stage of figuring out um, how I could dance for Halau Kekuhi. But, um, you know, if you're going to dance for Halau, you have to follow their rules. So I knew that at some point I would have to cut my ties from Unukupukupu and my mother's halal. And I don't think I was ready for that. So he invited, when I told him, um, I'm leaving, I wasn't even in halal. I can't even say that I was in halal kikuhi. I was just in that very introduction, um, introductory class. Um, and I made a decision to stay with with Uno and he wasn't having halal. It was just whenever he we were getting ready for some kind of event, he would pull us together a couple of weeks before just to practice. So he wasn't teaching hula in in that context. And I asked him, um, "Will you teach me?" And he said yes. And that very same day, he brought me up to his kuahu in his um, house in Panaeva. And he introduced me to Kuahu. And then he started to introduce me to Kuahu practices. And it was from there that I started to really learn how to navigate um, Hawaii plants associated with Kuahu and then also how to make lei. Um, but again, he didn't teach me how to make lei. <laughs> Not in that context. I had to sign up for a class at <laughs> Hawaii Community College I don't even know if it was called Hawaii Plants and their uses during that time. But that's what the class is now. Hawaiian Studies 105. Hawaii, no, I think it's Hawaii Plant Culture today. But um, he was also the, the kumu for that, that class. And it was in that class that he started to introduce to me and, of course, all the other registered students to all of these different 
uh, plants, their uses, and then all um, lay, how to make different lay. And um, that's when I started to really learn all the different lay styles and how to make lay, how to use lay, how to um, do dyes, um, but very on a very basic level. Um, and then after leaving Hawaii Community College and going up to Uichilo, well, actually at Hawaii Community College, when was it, Drew? Was it 2009 that we had that? Mm -hmm. That was the year. Yeah. What was that class? Kilohi Kalaimano, that one? Yeah, Kilohi Kalaimano. It was geography and some... Kahukuuna. Kahukuuna. <laughs> yeah, with Sean Nale Maile. Mm -hmm. And I was Drew's student and Sean's student. And um, that Drew... My friend, uh, Nicole Anakaleo, who we uh, call Kuvalu, she's in Waimea. And then also um, Sarah Niao and um, uh, Mina Viritua. Those, you folks were a big part in me choosing geography as my degree up at UH Hilo. And I think, too, because everyone was expecting me to go into Hawaiian studies and I just wanted to prove that um, I could do something, one, I could do something else, but two, that Hawaii culture, Hawaiian culture, and um, is in everything. Mm -hmm. um, so whether we call it geography, whether we call it environmental studies, geology, all of these things are Hawaiian. When we're in Hawaii and we're learning these things, it's Hawaiian. Yes. So, um, and selfishly, I wanted to take geography because I wanted to access parts of the forest that I knew I wouldn't be able to access <laughs> just on my own. Um, and I wanted to learn um, other plants that I wasn't introduced to that I would see in the forest. I just didn't know. I wasn't kama'aina to them. Um, but when you're in hula, you really only are looking for the plants that you need. And sometimes it's almost like tunnel vision. You don't really like see the other plants, um, especially when you're new to the forest. And when you're new to the forest, everything looks green. <laughs> that's a green plant. That's a green plant. And that's another green plant. <laughs> and one time uh, going to Kuahu, I brought um, some fern. I didn't even know what the fern was. And Tangaro was like, what is this? And I said, it's pala'a. He said, from where? I said, some place. <laughs> he said, I don't think this is Palaha. And I said, I mean, how am I supposed to know? I, I looked up Palaha in um, a book or some something. I was like, that kind of looks like this. And then he said, oh, yeah, no, this is not it. And I knew that if I was going to teach everything that I was being taught, that I would have to eventually, I wanted to ensure that my students were being introduced to the forest. Um, and not just blindly having to go to the forest. And I'm lucky that when I got to UH Hilo and, go, uh, and got into geography that I was introduced to Hawaii's forest. Um, backtracking a little bit, at HCC I took um, a botany course too. And um, it was through that botany class too that I started to learn um, plant identification and um, taxonomy and just knowing that Hawaii's plants are relatives of other plants. So 
Um, I thought that was, it was huge because we had to draw all of these plants. So, you know, looking at the detail of all of these different um, plants. And when you're, I know when, when we're looking at lay making, lay making is not just about the skill and the craft. It's about knowing what you're supposed what to put in that um, that skill. So if you're a lay maker that um, are, that you're using Hawaii's plants, you should know Hawaii's forest, and you should know how to conduct yourself in the forest um, so that you're doing it sustainably. So I very much mahalo the the route that I chose, um, and yeah. Why don't we um why don't we jump into lace styles? Yeah. Okay. So uh lace styles. So the lace styles that I've learned and I continue to teach today are Hilo, which I talked about earlier, Healy, which I also talked about, um, Vili, Haku, Pui, Hipu'u, Hulu, and then um Lei for the Lei Pico or Mokuku Pico. So let me go back to Hilo. So um, Hilo, if, I mean, if you want to know the impetus of that word Hilo, go look up one of the mo'olelo about Hilo and you'll find out what Hilo is and how this lay style, it's its really a, um, a rope style of, of making. But go look them up, go look them up, go look them up, go. But Hilo using two, ply, yeah, and you twist it. Super simple. Healy, three. Yeah, using a three-ply braid. And again, one kinolau. So other traditions might call it a haku. Like if you use lai and then you're using lai again, but you're braiding it in. Um, and then it looks like what some people might call a haku. But for us, a haku is a little bit different. And I'm going to skip to haku. For us, haku, you use two or more plants. So if I'm using um, la'i as a base to braid, and then I'm going to add in la'i and palapalai, as soon as I add in another plant, that becomes um, what in our tradition we call a haku. So two or more different kinds of plants. A vili, vili means to twist, Haku, going back, haku um, just means to, like, haku can be composed. Haku means that you've created or you're creating something. So in in that aspect, when you're just looking at the word, anything that you make, the finished product, well, haku ia, like you, you and make them. Mm. Um, but when we're talking about styles of lei, the haku, two or more plants. Uh, vili, vili is to to twist and um, usually have some kind of backing. We often use lai because it's just so readily available. Um, you can use coal, yeah, sugar cane, um, something that's hardy in the back. And then you use something um, to twist like hau or raffia, if that's what you have available. Um, and you put the, the plants on top of the backing and you basically just bind those plants onto that backing. And that's what we call vili. So if you're looking at lei and you see on the back of the lei, um, get 
some kind of raffia or some twine in the back. Usually you can determine that's that's vili. But some of the 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 lay makers who sell lay as, as a living, um, they'll often cover the back with either palapalai or some other kind of fern. Maybe pala'a if they know what pala'a is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they'll, they'll bind it and twist it and, and put that nice backing so that when you put it on or even when you're looking at it, it's, it's nice and it's comfortable to wear. Um, kui. Kui is string, yeah, um, stringing the lei, um, which pro- actually probably that one's the easiest uh, when I think about it. So you have the needle, you have the thread, and you're just stringing the flowers on top on top the the lei needle. Um, most of the flower lei that we see that's you know sold at um, lei stands are are kui. We don't often use kui for our hula practices only only because of the negative connotation that the kui has, and usually kui is associated with uh, kapo ulakinau, and kapo ulakinau um, because the kui is so sharp that it can it can pierce your skin and cause you to have bloodshed. In inoa kapa kapa for kapo ulakinau or a nickname for is Kahaula. And in our Kuahu practices, we mention that name Kahaula. And Kahaula is Kapo'ulakina'u. And you have to be very careful of where you're directing Kapo'ulakina'u's um, energy. So we often don't typically use Kui, um, but we do, like Hala, Lei Hala using the um, the ahuihala or the pandanus tree yeah to make these kinds of lei but have you have you guys made hala before lei hala yes mm-hmm. yeah cutting the keys yeah not the easiest mm-hmm. yeah to do it requires a lot of patience but i feel like the hilo people are so like ma to making lei hala and they're their hands are just so skillful. Um, you had Manoa recently, and Manoa, he's great at making lehala. He's great at, at cutting those keys. Um, hipu'o. Hipu'o is just like the lei that you guys would make for me today. You guys can't see it for those that are listening, but I have um, a lei hipu'o that was made out of kukui, and any kind of pliable stem that you can tie into knots um, can be made into the hipu'u style. And there's even in the hipu'u style, it just depends on um, who you learn from, the knots can be different. Um, but as long as you're connecting them with the stem using this knot style of, of braiding, that's what we call a, a hipu'u. Um, kukui is probably the the most often used plant uh, for the lehipu'u. Uh, we also use olapa. Um, I don't know the English word for olapa. Do you know the English word, the common name for olapa, if there is one? I don't Scientific? know. Scientific? I forget. Yeah, I don't know. But go look them up. Okay, olapa. It's <laughs> ha'abina. <laughs> and for that, because the stems are... Um, 
they'll break if it's uh if you're if you don't know how to use them they're pliable but as soon as you start to tie them they'll break so what we do is we use um we boil water and then we put the the stems of the olapa leaves in the water to just um break like it down a little blanch. bit yeah kind of yeah <laughs> yeah exactly blanch them <laughs> until it's pliable enough to then make knots for the hipu um and then hulu hulu are feathers so we have lehulu we have masters of lehulu um auntie mary kovich who lived in carson california grandmother of um kili ilili she was a master lehulu maker and she was part of the same um hawaii's it was called hawaii's hawaii daughters guild or Daughters Guild of Hawaii, something like that. But uh, my grandmother was also part of this hui in California. And they would, um, you know, make lehulu. They would um, do all of these things just to, because they were, you know, kupuna that were living in that area to just share some of the um, their skills. But lehulu, there's kamoi, there's poi poi, and then there's humupapa. So the kamoi, when you're looking at the feather leaves, the lehulu, kamoi sort of looks like a rope, but it's when the, the feathers are lying down. Um, the poi poi is the opposite, where the feathers are sticking out. Um, and then you have the humupapa, and the humupapa is what my grandmother uh, was very skilled at. And it was um, sewing the feathers onto a backing. And um, typically today, the backing is like felt. And then they would sew it on to create a uh, hat band. A cockade. Yeah. So, yeah, that's lehulu. And then you have what I was talking about, the leipiko. And the leipiko, the it's not a style of lei. It's just what the lei is being used for. The function. The function of the lei. And usually the lei pico, you hang them in the center of the door during the mokuka pico ceremony, the cutting or severing of the pico. And the lei is a symbol of um, the umbilical cord of the space. Mm. So those are the different styles of lei. Pele, you mentioned earlier how you had to build this relationship with the forest and the plants therein and to... In order to utilize these plants, you had to know more about them and, and where to find them and what they're used for. In your experience over these years, how has that um, relationship shown you the importance of sustainability as far as continuing these practices so that our generations to come can still do the things that you do? Yeah. Um, well, being a, a kumuhula, it's you know it gives purpose to um, having to teach, and then also being a, um, a kumu at um, two different schools, it it gives you the platform to have to teach these things. Um, and but I I teach I try to teach as much as um, I, I don't even like to use the word teach, but share. I like to share as much. Um, to as many people who are willing to uh, give me the time, but also give me the commitment. 
as what was shared with me. I feel like that's the kuleana that we um, we take on. When we learn something from someone, the kuleana is to then share. Mm-hmm. And when I moved here, um, I knew that I was always going to have to give it back to the community that I came came from. So I wanted to make sure that I learned it really, really well so that when I do teach it over there, in absence of being, you know, in absence of having Hawaii forests so far away, you have to know it really, really well so that you can adjust it. Just like our kupuna did when they moved to different places, they adjusted these skills and practices to um, align with what was there. Of course, they brought things with them, but they had to also adapt to where they were. So when we're looking at sustainability now, and um, when I was learning Kuwahu um, as a student to where now I'm teaching Kuwahu to my students, to my haumana, it's about how do we do these things living today um, with all of the different things that we're facing, like uh, rapid ohia death, mm-hmm. um, like um, even noticing that certain plants aren't abundant anymore in the, the places that we frequent. So I sort of pose to my students, um, how can we do this better? How can we evolve our laymaking practices, our hula practices, any practices that we do that involves the forest so that we can do this more sustainably and not, not just take, 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 because we have to for our um, hula practices, but what can we um, give back? And Kainana, Francisco, um, she took on the kuleana. Well, I mean, part of her job is to um, do some of these things, but she took on the kuleana to have students kilo and to document um, when they're going into forests, like, what are you seeing? Um, Where did you go? What did you um, gather? And not just what did you gather, but what what is the health of that forest? Mm-hmm. And not just to document, but to also tell the next group of people that are going to go into the forest, like, hey, this is what we noticed. This is what we gathered. Um, this is something that's not doing so well. So if you're going to be um, gathering these things, you might consider going somewhere else. Or you might consider using something else. And that came, too, from we were using ie a lot. And because of uh, rapid ohia death, we haven't been using ohia at all. Um, but they were noticing that the ie wasn't as abundant as it used to be even two years ago. Wow. So um, now I have my students documenting what they're doing, what they're seeing. I... I, I had them doing that before, but not um, as a weekly and almost daily practice. Um, so mahalo to Kainana Francisco for not just having the idea, but taking on the kuleana to actually set up a system for the my halau and my students to, to follow. Um, and then more on sustainability, like how do you do these things? How do you make Hawaii lay when you're not here, when you're not in Hawaii and you're in California. So I have a cohort of students, they're called Uhaka, and I'm training them to, along with my mother, training them to Uniki at the end of this year. And um, 
they are all either current or former students of my mother. And um, I'm teaching them kuahu practices, but I'm also teaching them like kuahu should reflect the environment that you're in. So it, it defeats the purpose if you're shipping over um, all of these different plants from Hawaii to California. That's not a sustainable practice. Mm -hmm. That's detrimental. <clears throat> so how do you learn in, in an urban environment in California, how do you learn what's native to where you're living? Um, what what is the ohia in California? What is the iye iye? What mm -hmm. is the, what is the maile? What is the olapa? What how do these things function in Hawaii's forests? And what are their their partners in your environment? So our kuahu our our the the leis that we use should be regional, or the plants that we should that we use should be regional. Um, our leis should look like if we're in Hilo, should look like Hilo's forest. If we're in Waimea, it should look like Waimea's forest. If you're in California, it should look like California. And if you're in Japan, it should look like Japan. But I think it comes with education. And Dr. Katie Kamela Mela, she was pushing for, for hula people to start to use other things besides maile. Um, because she, you know, was you know no, noticing, just like a lot of other people, mm -hmm. that the health of the maile um, and the, the abundance of maile was dwindling so how do you change your relationship to maile you don't always have to use maile but what are other plants that can um, serve a similar function that you want to use because it, it really boils down to the intent what why do you want to use it and mm -hmm. sometimes people they only know maile yeah when when you're doing weddings that's one of the first things that you think about oh we gotta have maile or um graduation or something like that. So it's just changing our relationship, evolving our relationship and expanding um, our knowledge of what's available out there that serves similar functions to things that um, we typically use, but we need to, um, just like fishing practices, there needs to be a um, couple set in place so that um, things continue to thrive and exist so that we still have these things later on. So, yeah. One of the things you mentioned, um, going back to a little bit to the relationship with Ohia and Ie'ie and now how you speak of Maile, um, and you also said Kinola, would you mind sharing a little bit about what those relationships are? Yeah. So the word or the term Kinola um, comes from Kino and Lao. So Kino being a body or something that has a, a shape or a form. And then low, just like leaf, there's many leaves on, on a tree. Low means the multitudes or um, plenty, joke, yeah? So kino low, plenty forms, physical forms. So when we think of akua, and not like just God, goddess, but akua for us has, has to do with um, all of our natural elements that exist in our world. And these natural elements have, we give them names, Pele, Lono, Kane, Kanaloa. We give them names so that we understand um, their function within our environment. Mm -hmm. But they have physical forms. And like, for example, a Kinolao of Pele, Ohi'alehua. Now that's physical form of Pele. And when we're looking at all of these different Akua, they also have physical plant forms and other kinds of physical forms. But 
that's what I mean by kinolo. And then you had a, some, a different question. You were uh, mentioning how taking another look at how we use lay and what purposes and, and why we just automatically think of this one or two plants for these occasions, um, especially when you're speaking of maile, um, what might the relationship be for hula? Yeah, so um, especially when we're looking at like hula, hula competition sort of forces kumuhula to um, interpret or articulate why they're using certain um, plants. And sometimes just the information uh, or knowledge or sometimes lack of is it's going to limit you to what you're going to use. So if you're doing a hula pele, sometimes you only know one thing. Ohi alehua. But as I said, I mentioned earlier, Ohi alehua, um, it's not doing so well. Mm -hmm. So, what other kinolau of Pele can you use? Or what if you're like, take a, even a step further and look at what is a, the content of that particular uh, mele? Mm -hmm. Where is it? And what's abundant in that place? And allow the mele to tell you and inform you what's appropriate. So the more you know, the the more wiggle room you have um, to make these different um, connections. So you don't always have to rely on this. is It's black and white. But I love to live in the gray area. And I love <laughs> um, to be able to, like if I, if I want to use, um, I don't know, if I want to use, uh, if I want to use jalapepe, um, for a pele hula or something, then I need to be able to figure out why, what the connection, what the connection is. is, if I'm going to use jalapepe. And then look in the, me sometimes a mele, it just s explains it to you. It lists the kinolau that are, that, or it lists the plants that you should be using. Just read them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think as, as hula people, sometimes that we get so um, just caught up in, in what is, normal and or expected expected mm. and um not being able to st step outside of the box but kumuhula these days are so akamai that their relationship to these plants and and being able to make these connections are um they're brilliant they're so yeah we have a bright future and i think our our relationship to lay and our relationship to plants are gonna change for the better Okay. I feel like there's an evolution that's happening too that, you know, you, you made some references to um, that speaks to the way in which knowledge about lay making and plants that appear in lay and hula, um, those things, some of those traditions are changing from before. And I think it, you know, it seems like you're on the forefront of some of those changes in, in terms of the diffusion of that knowledge to the larger community um, through social media, for example. Um, and it's very interesting to see that happen to, to things that maybe in some context used to be a little bit more closed or um, less open to the public. Yeah. And um, yeah, so when, when we're looking at, at Kuahu and we're looking at some of our uh, sacred uses of our uh, plants and lay making, um, we want to share with the lehulehu, we want to lift the veil a little bit, but um, also as, as a way to invite them into 
to learn, to be curious about these things. And I was a part of uh, Kumuhula, a group of Kumuhula that, that came together. We didn't have a name at the time, but we're coming together um, at the very beginning of COVID-19 as a way to um, respond to this, uh, to this ma'i. Uh, from a hula lens, from a hula perspective, especially when humuhula use hula as, um, like, that's how they make a living. And COVID-19 really, you know, didn't allow that to happen. But also looking at our practices to help the lehula, who help the general population sort of move, move forward. So we came together and... Um, we came together just to to talk and 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 see how we can inform um, people of getting through COVID nineteen from a Hawaii perspective, but a Hawaii perspective that was hula based, and then later on it evolved into what was what we call or what is named Hua Makahikina. So the name of this Kumuhula group is called Hua Makahikina, and Hua Makahikina evolved into now using that platform that brought all of these different kumuhula together to talk about, you know, some of the things that we don't often get to talk about and it sort of just stays and lives within our own halau and in our own traditions. But we're in a space now that we can share um, and not be in fear of what we're sharing. Um, and a, a part of this was getting on Zoom getting in a webinar, allowing people to come. And that's that's been the beauty of um, being disconnected. It's allowed us to be connected differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, that became the impetus of, wow, we can really use this time to now share other things. And when I was first learning Kuahuhula, like we weren't even able to post a picture mm-hmm. of our process, let alone post a picture of our actual kuahuhula, our actual altar. And for me, as a kumuhula, I'm going to take the, the responsibility. I'm going to be accountable for what I post and and share with the lehulehu. And I felt it was time for me to even evolve my own relationship with the kuahu. So I wanted to put it out into um, social media through my Halaus page, Unulau, um, in a way that was going to be, um, allow people to see what we do, to be introduced to Kuahu. A lot of people didn't know what Kuahu was. Um, and just get a little insight as to what we do. I, I know a lot of people are, are curious. Um, so just sharing some of that information and I was very scared of what my kumu was going to think and um, how it was going to be perceived because it wasn't something that we do but for me I use um, social media both as a platform to share but a platform to record information to document I, w- I was thinking of when I was listening to Auntie Edith's um, some of Auntie Edith's talks on YouTube or reading some um, some articles that she had um, been interviewed on, and you know the CDs, her albums. I was like, "What can we leave? What can I leave behind that 
is going to be there for people 50 to 100 years from now um, so that they see this is what we were doing with Kuahuhula. This is our relationship in 2022 right now. This is how we're doing these things. Um, and I wanted to leave that for not just Salehulehu, but for people, for those that are going to come from our tradition later on who might need that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I created Unulao, uh social media page. I didn't create it, uh, but I, I created the platform to share. And I, I brought my students in to share their intimate relationships, um, their uh, creativity. Um, and then I also created Unulao by Kinolao, which is, Kinolao is um, a shop that is owned by Shandel Nakanilua. And I liked her aesthetic um, when it came to drawing plants. And I asked her, hey, will you co- do a collaboration with me? I want to um, make these shirts, or I want to make this line that has our kuahu hula plants on them um, so that so people have something that's tangible. Like when I'm thinking about kinolo, I'm thinking about something that's tangible. And if you can't go into the forest all the time, at least you have an image of it. And I decided to use our five, what we call top tier plants, when we're looking at, in our tradition, kuahuhula. Um, aside from the lama, um, the Hawaiian ebony, ie, ohia, maile, palapalai, and olapa. Those are our five top tiers. So I wanted to put that on social media, I wanted to put that on shirts, and I wanted people to have these things, not for just them, but for the generations to come later on. Hmm. Mahalo. Yeah, well, mahalo nui pele for joining us and for sharing your ike and mana'o with all of our listeners and with us. Mm-hmm. We've learned so much. All right. mahalo, mahalo nui. Mahalo nui to our mea kipa. Pele Ka'io for visiting us and sharing about lei and so much more. Yes, we learned how lei practices require relationships with plants, forests, and larger environments, and how moving forward we can make adjustments in order to gather for lei making that will have a different impact on those resources. Mm-hmm, so true. We must ensure that the native forests and environments of Hawaii not only endure our human impact and are sustained, but are made even healthier through our engagement with them. As we observe, respect, revere, and even derive inspiration from our kinolau, the plants of our environment. Mahalo for that mana'o, Drew. To our listeners, if you want to learn more about this podcast and any earlier ones from our current or first season, you can check out our blog at hilo.hawaii.edu slash as well as on Facebook and Instagram. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Until next time, Ahuiho. Aloha. Aloha.